0: We have to deal with both and approach when you're talking about things like autoimmunity and these, what the world would typically call these mystery illnesses are not that mysterious when you understand the physiological and the psychological, Mm -hmm. the physical and the mental, emotional, spiritual. We are overly reductive to say it's just the physical or it's just the mental, emotional, spiritual. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a confluence of both, but it's not just my experience, it's also in the scientific literature too. Mm
1: All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself. I got a good show for you today, man. Y'all know about Will Cole. He is so well-spoken, so deep in his breadth of knowledge about all things health and wellness. He's a functional doctor. You may follow him, you may not, whatever. This guy's been on here two times already. is his third time, and we are going in on so much. The depth of how connected your gut and your brain are. This is gonna be really important because he takes the physical aspect, but he also talks about my favorite part the emotional side of everything. How the emotions are affecting our gut, which is affecting our brain and our brain inflammation affecting the gut and the gut affecting the brain over and over in a cycle. So, very important listen. He's gonna tell you about what foods are most specifically beneficial for your overall health when it comes to gut, brain, and emotions. But he's also gonna tell us about evidence-based interventions that we can do daily to help balance our emotions and then downstream our gut and our brain. It's fascinating. I love the way he talks, the info he puts out, all the gems of information. As always, thank you for joining the show. We have a wonderful one for you today. Tune in, it's gonna be good. All right, everyone, check this out. I have been talking for quite a while now on the importance of the connection of the gut and the brain. Now, you know. That My guests have a special place in my heart, but if they came on the show three times, they got a 3P going, then that's a very special place in my heart. Dr. Will Cole, functional, full medicine on all all different types of things, nutrition, gut, brain. We're going to talk about everything functional medicine, but really, really coming to the connection between what is happening between your gut and your brain and how they're affecting each other. The 3Peter, Will Cole. I am so honored that I just found
0: out today that I won like, a few three-peter. Like, we need a, I need a, some sort of medal of honor. Yes, we need a plaque. It'll be in the mail, right? We need a plaque. Two to three business it. days, <laughs> okay. I expect
1: it. Well, we will, we will expedite that right to you. <laughs> you put it right next to your graduation yes. diploma, I will. right in the front and center of your office, I okay? I, I, I come to L.A. for you. I appreciate this, man. Love we it. got a good show coming. Look. I want to ask you from the get-go, can emotional traumas, emotional disruptions cause autoimmune disease? Well
0: so you know my day job for the past thirteen years plus has been immersed in cases upon cases upon cases, and these we see the complex cases, the people that are beyond the basics, the extremely erudite people, they, they, they're immersed in the research, they're doing all the quote unquote. Right wellness things, eating cleaner than most people, doing all the biohacks, and we have and they're still struggling. So I'm used to these sort of complex, very entangled cases, very reactive. Their immune systems are very reactive. So I would say to answer your question pointedly, that's my experience clinically, is that we have to deal with a both and approach when you're talking about things like autoimmunity and these what. The world would typically call these mystery illnesses are not that mysterious when you understand what i talk about in the book the gut and the feeling component of it the physiological and the psychological mm-hmm. the physical and the mental emotional spiritual and i think we get lost when it's we are overly reductive to say it's just the physical or it's just the mental emotional spiritual mm-hmm. typically especially for these type of people that have autoimmunity and these more complex health issues that it's going to be a confluence of both. But it's not just my experience, it's also in the scientific literature too. Mm-hmm. Research is very clear that, that children and a lot of research is done on children. Children that have higher trauma in childhood or are more likely to have autoimmune issues and not just autoimmune issues but metabolic issues and other dysregulated nervous system issues later on in life compared to children that don't. Studies upon studies have been done on this. And there's something that we ask, we have all patients, telehealth patients, fill out. It's what's called an ACE score, the Adverse Childhood Experience Score, which is very, has a lot of research around it. That basically, the high, higher your ACE score, meaning the, the questions that are asked on the ACE score, is things like um, Was there physical abuse growing up? Was there sexual abuse growing up? Was there alcohol or drug abuse in your household growing up? Was there domestic violence in your house growing up? The higher your ACE, the more likely you're going to have a problem. So it's a piece of the puzzle for many people, and it can create and trigger this genetic predisposition for autoimmunity, which we know, depending on who you're talking about and what study you're referencing, it's about a third of that puzzle is genetics, mm. meaning some methylation gene variant, some HLA gene variant, and we can quantify those in labs too. But two-thirds is epigenetics, and the these what I call, in the book, metaphysical meals, these things that we feed ourselves over the course of our life, some unwittingly, some like it's not completely out of our control. Most of it's out of control. Influences cellular expression and genetic expression over the course of our lives.
1: Mm. And, and as we have these metaphysical meals throughout our lives, or really on the abundance of when we're young, when we have those traumas, and the ACEs scores are off the chart, what is happening in the body? Is it happening in the gut? Is it happening in our nervous system? Do we even know a mechanism or what's predisposing people to this tension that is later in life manifesting? A lot of the trauma
0: research that I talk about in the book has to do with different methylation um, gene variants and the way that methylation is expressed. Methylation, as you know, but for people that are newer to this topic, it Im- Im- influences how inflammation is expressed and metabolized It influences neurotransmitter production and how that's recycled. It influences detoxification pathways. So it's multifactorial. But a lot of it has to do with the gut-brain axis. You really can't talk about methylation without really looking at the role it plays with the brain and the nervous system. And then in part, an aspect of the autonomic nervous system is our gut health. Um, so yes, it's, it's, that's the central part of what's going on, but it's really a cascade of things going on, shifting the nervous system in more of a sympathetic, fight or flight, stressed, inflamed state, impacting the parasympathetic. The parasympathetic is weak. There's poor vagal tone for these people. For people that are newer to this, the vagus nerve is the largest and longest cranial nerve in the body, but it's the main... Integrator, the main governor of the parasympathetic, the resting, the digesting, the hormone balanced state. So, someone with poor vagal tone, which is the majority of people that I meet when they when I first meet them, they're they're struggling with these inflammatory problems, these gut-brain axis issues, and sort of this. They explain it like the, the classic wired and tired, you know, anxious and exhausted and inflamed, mm-hmm. and that's what's at play here. And the sad part is, is that most people think that's their lot in life, and they don't have any agency over it. But you and I both know it's anything but the case. We wield a lot of influence on our biochemistry if we give it the chance to find its regulation again.
1: Mm -hmm. which sometimes in people's minds is out of their hands. They are doomed to be like this. They see themselves in their dad or their mom and their families. But what you're saying is, no, we can actually make a change. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. so if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed, and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it, with all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays, with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall run down, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed. If you want to experience the energy-boosting, liver-supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. Uh, Particularly, even if we were going through these traumatic experiences during childhood, our nervous system is dysregulated, our vagal tone is flaccid and flimsy, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the ways that we can strengthen this vagus nerve, the vagal tone?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and that's the both end approach
0: that I think where we in functional medicine really excel at or we should be excelling at because we have the training and the resources to really apply what's in the scientific literature in an unrestrained way that's effective, an effective way without red tape and without limitations. So, as I talk about in the book, what I've seen to be the most effective is a both-and approach of dealing with both the physiological and the psychological. So, I there's forty-two plus different tools that I talk in the book. Half have to do with gut physiological side, dealing with the things that we can measure on labs that I measure as far as like underlying gut problems, like. Like gut syndrome, people that have SIBO, I see a lot of people that have mast cell activation syndrome and histamine intolerance, and have other oxalate issues and salicylate issues, and a lot of these hyperreactions. That the brain is rich with these receptor sites that impair neurotransmitter signaling, so all of that has to be dealt with. That's a big conversation, but it involves different food changes, it involves different nutritional therapeutic interventions, as far as herbal botanical plant medicine ways to modulate the immune system, i.e. lowering inflammation, and the nervous system, i.e. supporting the parasympathetic yeah. on a physical level. Um, so it's sort of the what I would call advanced functional medicine nutritional protocols. One of the things I talk about on that front is a GAPS protocol, which... It's an acronym that stands for gut and physiology or gut and psychology syndrome that we've used for the past 13 years plus. That's a great way to be supportive and nourishing and grounding to getting the gut, that seat of the soul, to be more restorative and again, accentuating that parasympathetic. The feeling side, which is a lot of what's in the book, is our different tools that are tapping into that mental, emotional. Arrangement, that mental, emotional entanglement, Mm that dysregulation. So I go into deep dive as far as meditation, different meditation practices that have a lot of exciting science about it. It's not just some woo-woo fringe thing. This is the things that's within the journals Mm -hmm. and talking about meditation and breathwork and detail and the protocols that I've seen to be the most effective for my telehealth patients. And more out-of-the-box stuff. um, Somatic experiences. I mean, these are things that you're on the ground doing with people within your workshops. I'm just showing people in the book what people in our space are doing to really change lives. Um, So I talk about body tapping and emotional release and drumming and yoga and Tai Chi and the science around that. All different movement medicines, if you will, or moving meditations and um, Shinrin-yoku and did forest bathing and showing people how to use nature as a meditation and medicine. So there's specific functional medicine protocols within here that it's, I just threw a lot of stuff out there. I'm not saying that everybody has to do all the things, but what I wanted to show them is if you experiment with these things, see what resonates with you. Not all of it's gonna be applicable to everybody. But a few, you will find that there's going to be a handful of things that's going to be applicable for you. Mm-hmm. And what I want the reader to do is stay consistent with these gut and feeling, respectively, tools because that's when you'll start
1: to see healing and move past the plateau. Mm-hmm. And I love that that you said see to the soul, right? Yeah. You have to, have to focus on your gut health. But we've been talking about this for five years, six years, even longer, right? Yeah. Uh, I love this move towards also physical, metaphysical, right? We need to talk about the things that are Mm -hmm. so essential at creating the foundation to gut healing because you can't just heal your gut if you ain't doing the other stuff. Yeah,
0: and I see some people where the physiological stuff, and I'm sure you've seen this too, where the physical stuff is, like people ask me, well, is it more the gut or the feeling stuff? Like which one's more important? I think it depends on who you're talking to. Mm. And that's sort of the science and art of what we do, right? For some people, you know, if they have like a, di- a lot of digestive issues and their resilience is so low they can't even tap into the mental emotional spiritual stuff they're so inflamed yeah. the gut brain axis they're so brain foggy and fatigued they're so hyper reactive that it's going to serve them well to start getting down some of that proverbial water uh, get, get their head above that proverbial water to be able to breathe a little bit and gain some bandwidth, gain some resilience to handle mm-hmm. the deep emotional release work, to mm-hmm. handle the somatic work that has to happen. But then other people, the food stuff is completely triggering to them and they just can't even cry. they could never dream of not having foods yeah. that don't love them back. It's yeah. just a very toxic relationship. But. Just like someone's in a toxic relationship, they couldn't dream of leaving that, Mm. right? It's just all they know, Mm -hmm. and it's very comfortable for them, and it's very codependent upon them. And that's people's relationship with the foods that don't love them back. And for them, the emotional release, the breath work, the meditation will calm our nervous system enough to be able to handle the nutrition stuff. So those are extreme examples. Most people can have a bit of both in both areas and stay consistent with it. The point being these are two sides of the same coin.
1: Yeah, 100%, right? Yeah. It's not mind and body. Yeah, It's one, you know, it's and one. they're interconnected. They're entangled. It's it, There's no other way around it, right? And I've seen that. It's it's a lot of people release these repressed emotions that have been holding in since they were children, mm-hmm. and then they crave different foods, mm-hmm. and then they have a new relationship, and then they lose weight, and, and mm-hmm. they, they eat, right, the same amount of calories, but they're, what they're holding on, the inflammation yeah. just... Goes away and it's it's really powerful. Yeah. Um, but then there's the people who are so inflamed. Yeah. Who are so they can't even focus. They can't, they're in pain. They they need we got to bring that inflammation yeah. down. What what why is the gut so important in the sense of how we feel? Uh, what role is the gut playing in influencing our feelings day mm. to day? Well,
0: in so many ways. I mean, to, just a little primer, and then I'll get into the more you know next level deep stuff, but for people that are newer to this conversation, the gut and brain are formed from the same fetal tissue. Babies are growing in their mother's womb and this sort of gut garden, this gut-brain axis is formed from that same fetal tissue. And if you think about it, the intestines kind of even resemble Mm. the brain. 95% of serotonin is made in the gut. That's our happy neurotransmitter. 50% of dopamine, that pleasure chemical, 50% of that's made in the gut and stored in the gut. So... It's no coincidence that researchers refer to the gut as the second brain. And 75% of the immune system is in the gut. So inflammation is a product of the immune system. So there's, there's, two, there's three things going on right there. It's actually the microbiome itself, like all the trillions of bacteria of the gut, upwards of 100 trillion bacteria, depending on the study that you look at. But that's about 10 times, meaning that we are 10 times more bacteria than human. We have about 10 trillion human cells. So we have co-evolved with this microbiome. And that's probably an unfair thing to say even to the microbiome. In many ways, we almost exist because of the microbiome. Like it created us yeah. in some ways. Because we, the microbiome removes leaves, we would be dead. We would not be able to convert thyroid hormones, 20% of it. We would not be able to make our neurotransmitters. Our immune system would not function without it. So we really do need it. And, and, and I've heard different researchers kind of explain sort of the narrative of, of it is that the microbiome almost needed us to transport it and move it around the world. Like all the bacteria needed these sort of trans these, these vehicles yeah. to, to, to populate. And now we've really turned against the microbiome. We're living in what researchers call an evolutionary mi- mismatch. There's a genetic epigenetic chasm, meaning our world has changed so much in such a dramatically short period of time, a finite period of time, and you're putting that in context with the totality of human history, 99% of our genetics haven't changed in 10,000 years. Mm-hmm. So this genetic-epigenetic mismatch is really at the heart of it. So how does the gut influence the brain? It really is impacting because the bacteria is actually making and producing these metabolites that influence and crosstalk, if you will, with the way that neurotransmitters like serotonin and acetylcholine and dopamine and GABA are, are influenced. But also, as I mentioned, 75% of the immune system is there. There's a whole field of research called the cytokine model of cognitive function. It's cytokines are pro-inflammatory cells, so it's research looking at how does inflammation, how is it impacting how our brain works? And there's a lot of gut-centric components to that inflammation because most of the immune system resides there. And then on top of that, the autonomic nervous system and that one branch of the the autonomic nervous system, the enteric nervous system, but also the vagus nerve, Mm. which is intimately tied to resting and digesting. So it's multifactorial, but it's a multi-pronged influence that the gut wields on how our mood is. Like, how do we feel? Are we irritable? Are we energetic? Are we anxious? Are we depressed? Well, there's multiple ways that researchers are looking at how the gut and the gastrointestinal system is impacting how mm.
1: how, how we feel. I can attest to it any time. My gut is off, my brain is off. Yeah. That's, it is the, it's the most clear thing. I don't mm-hmm. even need a research study showing me this anymore. Yeah, nor do I. But so powerful to think about the nervous system, the immune system, neurotransmitters in the gut, the microbiome. Yeah. It, it's, again, multifactorial, like you said. Yeah. It's, you can't just do one thing or look at one thing. Uh, when we talk about this vagus nerve, and you said something, you said polyvagal theory, right? Some people have heard of it. Some people haven't heard about it. Yeah. Well, what is polyvagal theory, and what's the implication in our health? So it was researched,
0: I think, at the latter half of the 20th century or so, somewhere. I don't know the exact date. It's in the book. But there's it's a good theoretical way to explain how trauma and things like chronic stress and other, let's just say, junk foods for the human body, metaphysical junk foods, how is it impacting, and literally stored in our cells, how is it wiring our nervous system? How is it raising inflammation? So there's three different levels, three different stages within this theory. And it's showing how the human nervous system can exist on a continuum, on a spectrum. From dorsal vagal, which is sort of the, I, I'm, I'm resting, I, I'm in this sort of balanced regulated state i'm in a state of ease and lightness and grace all the way to sympathetic activation which is a lot of people i mean most of the world's Mm. in varying degrees of that right they're 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 on that sort of go 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 hustle culture burnout is a badge of honor it's it's like rest is seen as a sign of weakness being introverted, and I talk a lot about JOMO in the book, like how I live my life, which is easy for many introverts, but the joy of missing out, so the antithesis of this FOMO culture of of hyperconnection. And then the other side of it is the ventral vagal. It's basically the immune system and the nervous system is completely shut down. And people can be in here in times in their life when they're really overwhelmed, they're burnt out, they are... um, you know they, they, but they don't they're not always living in that state and then some people are always there some people are have what's known in mainstream medicine as dysautonomia it's the actual the autonomic nervous system is completely perpetually stuck in an overactivation of the sympathetic mm. hypertone or overactivation of that fight or flight response so polyvagal theory really explains how that sort of spectrum of the autonomic nervous system exists and how things like trauma can actually impact that and it's fascinating and I talk about it in the book how ancient yogic philosophy yogic science thousands of years old and from India have similar phases that they explained thousands of years ago of how the human nervous system exists And that goes back to, like you said, I don't even need a study to do this. (laughs) Because like humans knew intuitively that science is just catching up with antiquity. And it's such the height of hubris, right? That we we need some sort of academic or placebo-controlled, randomized controlled trial. When these sort of ancient traditional sciences and arts were explaining the same thing. I mean, it was Hippocrates and all of these fathers of modern medicine that were saying all the things I'm saying
1: too. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're just like, wait a minute, let's do a randomized control trial on that. <laughs> yeah. And now we see. And how, I we wanna see know, how it. did
0: Paracelsus, how did Hippocrates, how did these yogic science artists, people, uh, gurus know all this stuff? I don't know how they knew, but they knew. And that, part of me just thinks they were more, they were more in tune with nature, they were more in tune with the human body and they were
1: observing people. That's actually true. Yeah. So when I teach uh, language of the body, I teach people how to connect to their body and start listening to what it's telling you. Mm. Because inevitably, the more you connect with your body over time, you will begin to hear it. It will show you through symbolism, sort of like dreams. You know, in a dream state, when you see, if I say picture a car, you may see a car that you saw on the way here. But if I say picture a car from your body, it might be on Jupiter with a leprechaun on top of it, right? Yeah, yeah. there's always meaning to what your body's telling you. So the more connected you are with your body, the more you connect to your intuition. Yeah. And that's what intuition is. And and the crazy thing is, the more you honor that intuition, the more your body is louder with speaking to you. Yeah. And it's an, So it's an intuition-honor cycle. Mm. And I just believe that they were just unlocking the wisdoms of what is already known yeah. in the body. We don't need science for that. So it's a beautiful thing. Now we've sort of... Celebrated so much, and rightfully so, but also, like you said, a lot of hubris to yeah. bring it to our logic, to our ego, thinking that we know best mm-hmm. with our logic, ego, and science is great. Yeah. But also, whoa, not the, at the expense yeah. of this. Right, we're talking about this is the healer. Right, our body's the healer.
0: Yeah, it is, you're right. It's sort of a, a deification of something that we end up in the same place we began.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. Over, it. but we celebrate a thousand years later. We're like, yes, <laughs> breakthroughs. We're yeah. like going, the latest cutting edge science. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We got it to, and, and that's and that's what happens. So, it, what's happening also then in the brain? It, what's happening through the vagus nerve? If your gut is imbalanced, your neurotransmitters, your immune system, your nervous system inflamed, how is the brain now suffering? So the food. There's a lot of things happening, but
0: when we eat food. And hopefully everybody's eating that's listening to this right now. But when we eat food, we uh, ferment fibers mainly and polyphenols, really those two are the main ones, and fatty acids will too. And the the gut bacteria will ferment a lot of these things and produce what are called short-chain fatty acids. One of these short-chain fatty acids is called butyrate. There's propionate and acetate and different ones. But butyrate's one of the most well-researched, and the one most well-linked to being really beneficial to the human immune system, i.e. modulating inflammation in a positive way, and playing a role in how our brain works. Coincidentally, a lot of the research around the ketogenic diet, when you think, when you hear of the main ketone, beta-hydroxybutyrate or BHB, it's biochemically related to butyrate, which is endogenously created through fermentation of plant fibers.
1: It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? An experience of prove it's not only delicious, They use the finest specialty grade organic arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity. And this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy, boosting compounds with every sip. Purity coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health icoffe and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentous. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work I've been open- that I've been working out more, four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights, and these are staples. And I, and not just me. I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen. It's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. Is creatine
0: as a short-chain fatty acid in the gut. So it's similar mechanisms. They both have neuroprotective, beneficial for your brain and your mood benefits. One's taken through a fasted state. So a fasted state produces beta-hydroxybutyrate. The ketogenic diet will produce it because it's fasting mimicking, but your gut's making it uh, through you eating foods. So that's one of, the, one of the ways, is that it's the metabolites that are produced, these postbiotics that are produced from gut bacteria, that are then cross-talking or signaling molecules to the way that our brain expressed. One of the ways is encouraging things like neurogenesis, encouraging things like autophagy in the brain or cellular renewal, encouraging things like proper signaling of neurotransmitters. It's basically allowing the brain and the brain's immune system because the old science was that the brain was immune privileged, that it didn't have its mm. own immune system, yeah. but we know with the microglial cells and with this neuroinflammatory cascade that's implicated in things like anxiety and depression, uh, that that's what's really happening. It's the, it, the the gut really pruning and
1: nourishing and protecting the brain. Mm. And what what amazing moment to think about that the gut and the brain are so interrelated mm-hmm. and to think our bacteria are protecting our brain like look at that intelligent design it's so incredible yeah. how that happens and it's it's when i think about how disrupted our bacteria is how much our brain is being affected mm-hmm. already uh, it's incredible like like you said there's just a there's just like it's like an atomic bomb mm-hmm. to our gut bacteria the trillions of bacteria like we we're diverging from the way yeah. we evolved and our yeah. bacteria is like hey you're not my vehicle anymore but what about then the brain is our brain talking to our gut? yeah, it's bidirectional, so
0: the vagus nerve is one of the main ways that it does, and the enteric nervous system is one of the main ways it does and there's many ways to think about it, but one that comes to mind is, and that 's why it 's bidirectional, just to repeat myself it's bidirectional it's not just the gut talking to the brain. it is also brain talking to the gut it's crosstalk so the brain speaks to the gut through one of the ways is what's called the migrating motor complex. It's this MMC is the acronym. It's the gut that staying properly innervated, the intestines staying properly innervated, keeping the bacteria of the microbiome largely in the large intestines. Hmm. That's sort of the reservoir for the microbiome. This gut garden, this microbiome metropolis has to stay there. But a lack, so for example, and research has shown this, and I talk about it in the book, is that if someone has a traumatic brain injury, uh, sporting injury, they have a car accident, they have, you know, poor c- cervical alignment that's impacting their their nervous, their cranial nerves, that can slow down that neural output, that communication between the brain and the digestive system, which is really a problem going on in our world today, because, and that's The other side of that coin of what's breeding things like SIBO small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and in my opinion what i see clinically with patients decreasing the resilience and allowing a lot of other opportunistic and pathogenic bacteria or let me say it this way opportunistic and pathogenic biotoxins from bacteria and viruses and mold toxins to creep up and the body cannot regulate itself appropriately. It's really um, creating a hospitable environment for these things that otherwise the immune system could handle. And mm-hmm. now the resilience is so lacking in so many people that these things are taking hold and like weeds overgrowing in this gut garden. It's modulating the immune system in a very negative way. And in, for many people, it has to do with their brain health. Yeah. But it's a big vicious cycle because the more that that happens, the more the metabolites are going to go and negatively impact the brain. So what came first, the chicken or the egg? It depends on who you're talking about and their health history. And that's why on a clinical level, health history really matters Mm -hmm. to untangle that appropriately. But in the book, I teach people some ways for them to have agency on their own health, to learn about their body and see what pieces of the puzzle are the most relevant for them.
1: Mm -hmm. So from the dietary standpoint, right, let's say there's a brain injury, the gut's a mess, uh, and this person who comes into your clinic goes, Doc, I don't know what I have to eat. Nobody ever taught me to eat. What are, you say, You mentioned polyphenols and fiber. What, what foods are we looking at? What are some of the most important things that we need to be bringing in to start mm-hmm. healing our brain? Yeah. So that is sort of the how reactive
0: are, is their system is really where we have to go with. Some people, I mean, we see very reactive systems and then we see people that are just the average american right and not everybody is at the same starting point so i want to just say you have to meet a person where they're at physiologically but also on a mental emotional spiritual level too because mm-hmm. even if you know hey health history wise you're looking at this person's case and you're like yeah i know they're here but mentally emotionally <laughs> spiritually we need to start the more beginner stuff so you can't really Uh, force what's the saying like a square peg through a round hole Uh, you can't and then later on they'll get malleable and resilient when they start feeling a little better because you're pragmatic and then they'll be around they'll be a round peg because they become more resilient but anyway some things that i would say for most people that have gut brain access microbiome mood issues if you will is soups and stews you could do plant-based soups and stews. You could do omnivore soups and stews, but something that's almost like pre-digesting the vegetables, for example, mm-hmm. or pre-digesting the meats, or if you're doing beans, uh, plant-based proteins, something that's soft. I mean, I have some people that have to puree, puree things to be as gentle on the gut as possible. It's sort of this sort of proverbial siesta for their gut, and we're talking. For some people, yeah, weeks, you can you can make big, amazing changes with some of the soup recipes I talk about in the book in a couple of days for some people. But you and I both know, this isn't gonna be fully un, like, calmed down in a few days for yeah. most of these people. So depending on where they're at on that inflammation spectrum, is depending on how therapeutically, how long they're gonna have to go at this. These are not quick fix issues for many people out in the world that are struggling with these mystery illness issues. But weeks and months and for some people years really working on these therapeutic food protocols while simultaneously working on these mental, emotional, spiritual tools. But soups and stews are a wonderful way. But as I talk about in the book, there's caveats. I mean, bone broth, for example, can be a wonderful tool for some people. But depending on how you cook it, can be higher histamines, Mm. which... A lot of these people tend to be a little bit, can increase anxiety, increase brain fog, increase in, uh, migraines and things like this. So uh, that's sort of the, I'm setting the record straight in the book to show people even healthy things, what works for one person may not work for the next person. And what serves you today isn't always going to have to be the case. Mm-hmm. Like the goal is to gain more resilience. You can ha- eat tons of things and be fine but that's sort of the strategy one of the strategies from a nutrition standpoint that i talk
1: about yeah and and to think about like soups and stews being so nourishing mm-hmm. i've always been drawn to them especially in the winter it's like yeah I'm, I'm always happy because i always feel like my gut is being there's a nourishing aspect that you even just feel when you put it in your yeah. body it doesn't matter if it's omnivore or plant-based or yeah. both it, it just helps so yeah. much
0: and there are they're both in the book but i'll say the soup again look thinking of our ancestors right. they would have done this when people were sick, they were giving people, there's a reason why, it's like chicken soup. When you're sick, it's not the noodles. <laughs> They're making people better. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> that's break true. it to you. But. Yeah,
1: that's true, that's true. So uh, when, when you were connecting this metaphysical part of everything, right, and the feelings mm-hmm. part, was there anything when you were researching that you were like, holy moly, this is really powerful stuff? Yeah, so the, it's
0: heavy, like the trauma section, the shame section, uh, there's a concept that I talk in, in, the, in the book but I, I, it's a phrase that I've ta- talked about with my patients for years, is shameflammation. It's sort of this concept of, like, what's people's relationship with food, relationship with their body? I talk a lot about diet culture and anti-diet culture, and really, in a way, I think I have issues with both, mm-hmm. and they both are extreme, and this sort of toxic tribalism, I think, within wellness really confuses a lot of well-meaning people. Um, so... Part of, that's not answering your question, because that really wasn't shocking to me. I just wanted to, like, get on my soapbox and really (laughs) set the record straight. But within that same section, I'll answer your question with this, it's the section around uh, transgenerational trauma or intergenerational trauma. It sounds science fiction, just like the microbiome controlling your cravings and your mood can sound science fiction for some people. Now, amongst our community, that seems less, like, to the people that listen to the words we talk about. I mean, that, the fact that the microbiome influences food cravings and, like, what you crave and what you think seems less science fiction to the health aficionado. But the intergenerational and transgenerational trauma is, going, is really the next frontier, I think, of us understanding. And look, we have enough, many of us have enough trauma in this lifetime... To worry about, but we have to realize that part of the collective trauma that we have in this lifetime has to do, for many of us, there's a component to it at the very least, an intergenerational one. Yeah. And the research is looking at this too. That um, the historical events that were looked at looked at in a few different journals. One had to do with the Ukrainian famine uh, in the early 20th century. It was a man-made famine, actually, uh, and a some would argue, a genocide of the Ukrainian people in the early 20th century, Joseph Stalin. And then I think of history repeating itself. Like every time the Ukrainian people wanted to have independence, Mm. Russia's there to sort of squash them. And what they did in the early 20th century was completely messed up and killed millions of people. But researchers looked at the descendants of these people who went through this man-made famine and saw methylation epigenetic heirlooms in a way is how they explain it. And it it being expressed cellularly in their great grandkids. Mm. And similar, and that shows up as anxiety disorders As autoimmune issues, as type 2 diabetes and other metabolic issues, weight loss resistance, and hypervigilant nervous system. And similarly, descendants of the Holocaust in Germany and in Poland, similar things. Is that kids, grandkids, great-grandkids had these specific methylation variants because of what their great-grandparents went through. Hmm. So, but look, we can't change what they went through. But... Just as trauma can be inherited, so can healing. And I see people all the time break the chains of trauma and break the chains of dis-ease and dysfunction that was in their family history. And heal not only themselves, but heal them, their children, their family, yeah. their children's children, and descendants they'll never get to see. Yeah. They will create a new legacy. So this is really, in my opinion, while it's sobering and heavy stuff that I talk about in the book, it ultimately is a message of redemption and like what can we do today to actually influence cellular and genetic expression Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. through our choices. Break those generational,
1: very powerful. And you can break those generational wounds, the trauma, right? Uh, I remember doing a little bit on a show and I was even reading about nematode traumas going down 19 generations. They're still expressing those genetic mutations. And I was like, wow, right? And then yeah. the humans, they, they talked a little about Rwanda, Holocaust, and, and you, you're not doomed to it. Yeah. And that's the big part of it, right? You're, you're, you may be more sensitive to cortisol. Your nervous system may be maybe a little bit more hypervigilant, maybe more. But mm-hmm. now it's also our responsibility to know that, to feel that, and go through these processes of yeah. all the practices that you're putting in this book. That are accessible. Mm-hmm. We can do them. They, they don't take two hours of our day.
0: No, most of it. It's not at all. Just consistency. Even like five, fifteen minutes. Some people is more intensive, but at the very least, five to fifteen minutes. And most of them are free, too. Right. I'm not talking about high end, bougie stuff. They can get access to this
1: completely low cost or free, and it can make a, a big, big change. Mm-hmm. When you looked at the meditation. Did it change the brain? And when you looked at studies,
0: does it oh, change absolutely. the brain? absolutely. It imp- imp- impacts the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala because most people, when they're, they're that reptilian part of the brain, is in overactivation. Mm. That sort of like fear, uh, anxiety, dread. That, that sympathetic tone is overactivation. Prefrontal cortex thickening, like the health, the juiciness of the prefrontal cortex, is improved whenever people consistently meditate.
1: Isn't that incredible?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's neuroplasticity, right? I mean, that's what we, we have the ability to make new neurons and allow our brain to to mold and regenerate.
1: I, I think about the, uh, the show that I that I did on meditation, I was thinking how the brains of people who meditate consistently are just younger. Now let's chat about something crucial, that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products, as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, It's a quality brand not only just with omegas across their whole line they're extremely transparent every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants and you could check the results for yourself and that's one of my favorite things you can scan the qr code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or in your counter and you can see the results for this quality testing dot com slash drg you're going to get 50 percent off plus all those freebies mm-hmm. they're just healthier and younger mm-hmm. uh, and and like you said juicy cortex it's like yeah. alive they're out of the reptilian brain <laughs> yeah. and and you know w- w- when was it there was a study on children right children were just doing better in school not getting suspended not getting mm-hmm. expelled less fights less acting up just by being present it's it's actually mm-hmm. like pound for pound one of the most powerful things yeah. You can do. It should be required, in my opinion,
0: any school like teaching meditation. I mean, the research is so clear. Yeah. The teachers are going to have a better job, a better time. It's going to be the kids are going to be more equipped for life and to handle, be more resilient and have tools. Um,
1: people just need to listen to
0: you and me, man. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, the no <laughs> yeah.
1: So when we're meditating, it, what's happening with the gut? Is inflammation going to be going down? Is there a connection Absolutely, between Absolutely,
0: yes. Mind? So. I'll tell you one study that I talk about in the book. It has to do with self-compassion specifically, which meditation, this is a specific self-compassion exercise that they did in the study, and I give different self-compassion practices. But loving-kindness meditation, that's one kind. Self-compassion practices, which I... Here, it referred to in the research as self-compassion, but I consider that a meditative practice. Anything that's anchoring you in your body, getting you out of your head, so to speak, and into your body or rooting you in the present moment is a meditative practice. Mm-hmm. But they, this one study showed they, they had a group that they made to do math problem-solving, and one was public speaking, and this interleukin-6 protein, spiked up the inflammatory il6 spiked up because they're doing things that most humans don't like which is doing math and public speaking and but the people that had the highest self-compassion scores that were doing these self-compassion practices as part of their life had lower had lower inflammation levels and then the second day that this group did that they you thought okay people got used to it uh, they were doing the math, they were doing the public speaking, maybe it's kind of calmed down. No, it was, the inflammation was even higher the second day. And you think, this is people's lives, right? Yeah. They're doing things they don't like, or they're not good at, they're not resilient at. Inflammation is spiking. And then on top of that, poor sleep will spike, high sensitivity, C-reactive protein, people aren't sleeping very well, which is contributing to that stressed out mode. Mm-hmm. So yes, meditation, that's just one study. But being self-compassion, meditation, breath work, will all modulate the, the immune system in a positive way because, in part, it is shifting the body into more of a parasympathetic yeah. regulated state. Cortisol is an endogenous aminosuppressant, right? It's a natural anti-inflammatory. So cortisol is spiked, to help with, yes, blood pressure and, and blood sugar and to get you out of that threatened situation from an evolutionary mm-hmm. standpoint. But it's also attenuating inflammation. It's also calming inflammation. So that's why in a lot of these inflamed individuals, i.e. most of us, you will see cortisol dysfunction, HPA axis, circadian rhythm dysfunction, in part because it's trying to to calm your inflammation levels there. Yeah,
1: yeah. And th- isn't it funny how the body's over responding? Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, I got you, and they're like, no, the doctor's like, no, this is a bad thing, right? Yeah, it's right. Like, let's learn how to listen to the body. What is yeah. it telling us, exactly. right? Because if we don't learn how to listen to the body, then we're just going to put Band-Aids on yeah. it over and over That's and over. Right. I'm always telling my patient, because they, they'll
0: see the cortisol all over the place, and they'll say, well, I just want to get it down. Well, I'm like, first of all, cortisol is protecting you right now. Yeah. Like you want, because I see the patients, like the chronic fatigue syndrome patients, cortisol is typically very low. Inflammation is through the roof. Talk to anybody with chronic fatigue syndrome. It's not walking the park. Mm -hmm. But the people that are sort of, like earlier on in that spectrum of that inflammatory response, cortisol is up when it should be down or down when it should be up or it's up a lot of the day. Uh, They want it to be low. It's not about that. It's about asking why. These hormones are biochemical emails. Why are the emails being sent? Mm. They're not happening in a vacuum. We have to look at the feeling and the gut stuff to see why inflammation
1: levels up in the first place. Mm. Powerful. I wanted to sort of tail in on this. You mentioned breath work. You got some stuff about breath work. It's so trendy all of a sudden, right? As all the, the breathwork businesses, everybody's a breathwork teacher out of nowhere. Well, I'm sure here, not in Pittsburgh, it's, Pennsylvania. Oh, not in yeah. Pittsburgh, oh. oh. no, please. Stay, stay, you're out here for a week and a half, just keep your eyes open <laughs> and you'll see. But but, but, is this the real deal? Is there, is there science behind breathwork? Is there good stuff around? I know that this was ancient, right? Yeah. Maybe science Again. is not catching up. Yeah. But, but what are you seeing with the breathwork as far as physiologically what it's doing?
0: Yeah, it's another way to tap into the present moment. So it's a meditative practice, but the actual physical act of breath work is oxygenating your body and allowing your parasympathetic to be strengthened. So I think of breath work as sort of another exercise for your nervous system. It's a way to sort of strengthen that parasympathetic, that poor vagal tone. And that's why things like there are different, you know, therapies and uh, concepts of attempts to strengthen the vagal, the vagal tone by even gurgling water or. Uh, even people doing strange things right, <laughs> to, to strengthen their vagus nerve. Well, you don't have to gargle water. You can if you want to. Breath work will do that as well. Mm. So just, I mean, you either rage along with the breath work. This is tied into the breath work, I guess, is all the cold plunges in, in the world, which I, I love a good go, a cold plunge too. But part of that has to do with the vagus nerve as well mm. and the breath and the cold, these sort of hermetic things. And especially when you look at the more advanced breath work, like the holotropic breath work, that's a hormetic stress on the body. It's yeah. sort of it was created in part because it's sort of simulating psychedelics, yeah. which is similarly shifting the nervous system in a way. Where um yeah, so it's all tied into the autonomic nervous system being regulated. Yeah. People are just finding new ways or remembering. Old ways of
1: ways to regulate their nervous system. Because let me tell you something. You and me as cavemen, we're going to go hunting, <laughs> and it's going to be cold as hell outside, yeah. right? And I don't, I'm not going to have a, a north Face parka on and, and you know no. fleece pants. It's going to be cold. That's our cold exposure, right? Yeah. It's like we go through this naturally, yeah. but now we have $4,000 tubs that we yeah. just buy instead, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I live in the East Coast, so I just like walk outside. Oh, again. dude. You, yeah. what? A, and that's, look, it's the one thing I miss... Is like, I can be outside, put my feet on the ground. It is cold. I went there for Christmas in New Jersey. Yes. It was, this was when we had that cold front. Good. It was brick cold. Yeah. I don't miss it every day, though. Yeah. God bless you're, you. heard it
0: here, folks. He's moving back to these guys.
1: I'm staying right here with the sun <laughs> and my feet on the ground. Hey, man, is there anything else that, that, that we didn't cover that was really important for you to put out there? I mean, not to go back to things that are probably going to piss people off in the
0: book, but I think that the diet culture, anti-diet culture stuff, I really wanted to have a heart-to-heart raw conversation about that because I think that toxic diet culture, like shaming people into wellness, it's so old, it's so archaic, it's so just done, right? No one's going to say that's good, right, within the health and wellness space or they shouldn't, right? But I feel like this other sort of behemoth sort of like complete toxic tribalism on the other side of anti-diet culture is just as toxic in many ways. They sort of remove all sense of logic and they sort of – it's confusing my people. And by my people, I mean people with autoimmunity and people trying to just learn about health and wellness because they're like, well – I'm being told by the anti-diet culture people that there's no such thing as a bad food. Mm. And I just, that's a reductive overgeneralization. I get where they're coming from to a certain degree because they are hurting people too and they've been burned by diet culture. But the fact is there are food that's going to raise, there's going to be foods that raise inflammation. Wow. There's yeah. going to be foods that, impact your blood sugar. There's going to be foods that are out of t- alignment from an ancestral evolutionary standpoint that humans just wouldn't have eaten. Our microbiome doesn't like it. Yeah. Believe me, I look at labs all day long. It doesn't like it. And I just wanted to, to teach people a third way that I talk to my patients about in the book, and I call it food peace. That avoiding things that don't love you back isn't restrictive. It's self-respect. And continuing to eat things that don't love you back it's that's disordered in my opinion that's that's like staying in a toxic relationship and wondering why you're still miserable. So this sort of upside down culture where up is down and down is up, I just wanted to give a true authentic conversation from a functional medicine perspective about like getting in touch with your gut feelings and be your own end of one experiment. Explore things. like Some people are gonna land on more of a plant-based diet. Some people are gonna land on more of an omnivore. Some people are gonna be a flexitarian and mm-hmm. have different things. Like that's the bucket analogy, right? Some people have big buckets, some people have small buckets. That's bio-individuality. That's, we're all different, that's okay. And I want people to explore that for themselves, but ultimately be okay with the fact that there are some things that don't love you back. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately is okay to know. So that's, we didn't talk about that, so I guess I'll end there with that. Uh, I love you know, that, and, yeah.
1: and it's inspiring to hear that. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's the, the pushing to the health world that you have to do it this way is old news. Uh, but I've seen that. Bounce on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, I see it. I see it on pages and yeah. I see it on blogs and I'm like, whoa, okay, maybe we shouldn't eat this every day, you know? Yeah. Um, I, but I get that energy behind it. Yeah. But it's still confusing a lot of people. So thank it you is. for saying it that. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. When is this book coming out, man? March 21st. So depending on when they
0: listen to this, it could be out. Um, but it's per pre-order right now. We're giving away tons
1: of free stuff when people pre-order the book. I love it. And, How do people, if this is the first time hearing, they don't know that you're on the trifecta over here, how do people (laughs) find you?
0: Go back to listen to my past episodes on this amazing podcast that you're having, because this is like a trilogy. Mm -hmm. They just heard part three.
1: Yeah, you can't just go to part three. No. You need to see what's happening.
0: Now you have to go back and listen to it in order for it to make sense. (laughs) you'll see a friendship blossoming. Exactly, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So everything's at drwillcole.com. D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. Podcast, which you were on. Thank you for coming on. It's called The Art of Being Well. It's Mm -hmm. out every week. So Mm -hmm. come back on anytime. And your Instagram. Come on, man. Instagram at drwillcole. I'm trying TikTok, but I don't know what the heck I'm doing. (laughs)
1: We we we, yo hey listen we're we're about the same age we we need a TikTok like Gen or like. Early Gen Z, we yeah, need, I mean, I need. like any like a nineteen year old TikTok. More like a toddler could to teach us because I, more than that, more than we can learn. Please, man, uh, you got to yeah. see my. I got my glasses on the tip of my nose, trying to just go through this TikTok. <laughs> I'm like, how do we do this? So, bro, I'm with you. Yeah, uh, thank you for coming here, man. All the love. I, I respect your work so much. You put so much heart into it. Uh, you you put so much heart into seeing your patients all the time. Your books are so informative, man. And you're in your purpose. I see that. And all the love to you, man. Love you, man. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for rating, reviewing, and subscribing. If 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 you haven't, support the show by doing so, share it with a loved one, and check out our hot new fire sustainable organic merch at hts.today.